0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Josh Peck concludes his study on how the Wormwood Prophecy connects to our modern age. And a little later, Larry Stam will take us inside the holiest day in Judaism, Yom Kippur. Our new 16-month calendar is here, and we're sending them out all over the country. Based on the book and television series, Jewish Roots of Christianity, this calendar will encourage and inspire. Beautiful pictures and daily scripture make this calendar a perfect gift for family and friends. Order today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Whenever you call us here at Watchman on the Wall, be sure and let us know how we can be praying for you. We consider it an honor to pray for you. We're here, ready to listen, and ready to pray with you. 1-800-652-1144. And if you're new to Watchman on the Wall, hello. We're glad you're here. Make sure you get your new listener pack. It's free, and it's our way of saying welcome to Watchmen on the Wall. The latest issue of the Prophetic Observer newsletter and a free gift are included. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And request your free new listener pack today. Now, let's rejoin our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino and Josh Peck, as they continue their look through the ancient prophecy from the book of Revelation about a burning mountain that falls from the sky, bringing devastation to the world, and what scientists and NASA have to say about it. We are back with Josh Peck, and we were
1: talking about the asteroid Apophis, or Apophis. It is huge. It's coming towards the Earth. Will it be amiss, or will it crash into planet Earth? Is this really the Wormwood prophecy of Revelation chapter 8 being fulfilled? I want to read from Revelation chapter 8, verse 10 and following, and we'll focus on this. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. Thank you, Josh, for being with us once again. Yeah, thank you for having me. In reading from Revelation chapter 8, both the second trumpet and the third trumpet release something from the sky. And we were talking about a chain reaction, one event after another. So certainly the earth is being pummeled from the sky in rapid succession. These are two separate events, but like you say, they start off a chain reaction, and it really helps me and I think our listeners to realize how bad the tribulation period really is and why we don't want to be here when it comes upon the earth.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's why Jesus says if the days were not shortened, then nobody would survive. The world would just be absolutely destroyed. So this is going to be a time unlike any other time the earth has ever seen. And yeah, you definitely don't want to be here during that. Like we were saying in the last program, if there's anybody listening that hasn't already given their life to Jesus, do it today, because we don't know the time or the hour of his return. But I think basically we all can agree we're feeling something in the air. It just seems like it's getting about time.
1: Yes, yes. In fact, I've noticed, just in speaking to people and even in looking at news events and so forth people notice that there's something amiss. They might not even read the Bible or know the Bible, but they say, doesn't the Bible talk about something like this? (laughs) Well, it surely does. And I'm thinking, you know, God is so merciful that when non-believers who are not Bible scholars or even students of the Bible start talking about stuff like this, I think the time is ripe. I mean, what's going on now? And I don't know if you were reading that there has been a rash of UFO sightings in the Ukraine. Now, that's, oh, wow. that's really interesting. No,
2: I hadn't heard that. Wow.
1: I remember I had took part in the writing of something that Southwest Radio Church put out a couple of years ago, Marginal Mysteries, and I found that with the detonation of the first atomic bomb, there was a sudden rash of UFO activity. It's almost like, quote, the Space Brothers are checking us out. What's going on on planet Earth? So who knows? (laughs) You have Dr. Ken Johnson, one of your resource people in the film, and I really appreciate that. You've got the best. He speaks about the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Qumran Covenanters, and also the Essenes, the Zadok Priesthood, and the four ages of history. Now, they had a calendar and according to their calendar, we are coming up to the final jubilee. What do you think is the significance of that?
2: Oh, man, I think it's huge. So for people <laughs> who aren't familiar, the Essenes were the writers and keepers of the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were the ones that maintained the proper Jewish interpretation of the Old Testament. The Pharisees and Sadducees had kind of went and did their own thing, but the Essenes maintained the proper Judaism, the way that it was always supposed to be you know, mandated by God. They were known to have 100%... Accurate prophecies. They have a bunch of prophecies in their writings, mm-hmm. but they also had a prophetic calendar. They had a way of viewing the span of time that human history will exist on Earth in this form. They had a way of understanding that that's a lot different than most people would assume. So they looked at the whole totality of human history as being 7,000 years. So from the beginning of creation all the way to the new creation, they were convinced that that was a 7,000-year period, but they would split that up much like the calendar week where at the very end you have the millennial reign of Christ, that's how we Christians would call it, but that's like the Sabbath rest. And then the rest of the 6,000 years they broke up into three ages. So the first stage was the age of creation, and that started in creation and ended with the call of Abraham. Now, interestingly, right before the call of Abraham, you have the whole Tower of Babel incident. Mm -hmm. So at the end of ages, these big things happen. Then after that, you have the age of Torah, which was from the call of Abraham till 75 A.D. Well, right before that the Jubilee before 75 A.D., a Jubilee is 50 years. You have all of Jesus' ministry, all the miracles, his burial, death, and resurrection. I mean, just huge prophetic implications. And then the destruction of the temple as well. So all these huge prophecies being fulfilled. Well, the Essenes actually called the next time period, the one that we're living in now, they called it the Age of Grace, Mm. which is cool that they actually called it that. But that would be from 75 A.D. to... 2075 A.D., which means Mm. in 2025, just a couple of years from now, we will be entering into the final 50 years of this present age if the Essenes are right, if we're understanding their calendar correctly, and it seems like we are. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to wait till. 2075 for anything to happen. This is the exciting part. This part gets me really excited. So if we think about how the last jubilee of the age of Torah occurred, Jesus' ministry, he came on the scene really early in that jubilee. He would have been, let's see, he probably died 32 A.D., so he would have started sometime in 29 A.D., which isn't that interesting. 2029 is when (laughs) apophisist might strike the earth. But he came on early on the scene. So, We might not have to really wait that long for the rapture and all this stuff to happen. It could be because people wonder, well, if 2075 is the beginning of the millennial age, what are we going to do with all that extra time? There's several possibilities. One that I am becoming more and more convinced of is that I'm definitely a pre-trib rapture guy. Settled that in my mind for sure. Took years of research to finally... figure that out. But you could have a rapture. Now, we know that the rapture does not start the tribulation. The rapture is an event that could happen at any time. What actually starts the tribulation is the covenant with many Mm -hmm. that's spoken about in Daniel. So you could conceivably have years in between the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation, and everything would work out fine biblically and, and prophetically. And think about how deceiving that would be like how deceptive that would be for people on earth the rapture happens a bunch of people disappear well a bunch of people are going to immediately get saved because they're going to have family members that have told them about this and stuff but imagine seven years goes by no antichrist no return of christ just nothing really just, just dealing with the devastation of the rapture Well, a couple of decades maybe go by. Now you're starting to have people that were born post-rapture that are, you know, getting into politics. This is the generation that's ruling the world now. Those post-rapture Christians are going to seem silly because it's like, hey, it's been 20 years and there's no return of Jesus. Everything is going on as it should. So if you have a long gap of time and then the tribulation starts... Well, then it's understandable when you read through Revelation why people have such a hard time repenting and accepting what's happening to them. Because I've always wondered that. Like, why don't these people in Revelation get it? I mean, even non-believers have some kind of vague concept of what the rapture is. They make fun of us about it all the time. (laughs) So, like, how are they not putting two and two together? Well, if there's a gap of time, then that could explain it. So, if the Essenes are right, and we have roughly a little more than 50 years till the beginning of the millennium. There's several different ways that that could work out. That's just one of them. Also, after the end of the Tribulation, we don't know how long the judgments take. We don't know how long Jesus takes to explain the new rules to everybody, how the right. world is going to work now, get stuff cleaned up, build the city and the temple, cleanse the temple, all that stuff. We don't know how long that takes. That could conceivably take a few years or even longer. I don't think Jesus is going to come down and snap his fingers and everything's magically different. You know, it right. doesn't seem like he operates that way. There's a lot of exciting possibilities, but it's only exciting if you've accepted Jesus and if you're going to be with us, you know, when right. when he comes Back to take us up in the rapture. So, because of that, because we know that we're safe, we're secure in Jesus, we can get actually excited about this kind of stuff because the future for Christians post rapture is a lot more exciting and a lot more beautiful than what's going to be going on on the earth post rapture.
1: Well, that's well put. I think there's a difference between exciting, which, as you point out, it will be for the Christians, and terrifying for the non Christian. You put that so well. But I was so happy to see Tom Horn. We had been praying for him. We know he was suffering from long COVID. He shares an experience that he had, and he shared it before. I'm somewhat familiar with it. His wife had awakened to find him dead. He tells that he was taken up, up, up. And one of the things is he prophesied the date of the resignation of Pope Benedict. But when the date passed, the Pope had not resigned. And so He kind of wondered, well, is this a false prophecy or whatever? But actually, Benedict had resigned when the vision that Tom had said it would happen, but it was kept secret. So Tom is that one man who has been given three visions from God of this great disaster, two of which have already been fulfilled as he was shown. Tell us a little bit more about that because I think it's very significant. It's been authenticated by the fact that the Pope— did resign, even though secretly, as he saw in his vision. So tell us how this all fits into your DVD.
2: So the last part of the film, we dedicate to all of Tom's visions, dreams, the stuff that God told him. And like you said, Tom isn't one of these Typical people that you think about who goes, runs around, calls himself a prophet and has a word <laughs> for everybody that he sees and, you know, he's yeah. has like hundreds of prophecies a day, you know, that, right. that, that is so far from who Tom is and what this is, what's happening to him. This has only happened three times in his whole life. The first one was more of a personal thing that he had with his local church at the time and basically he wrote a letter, there was some stuff going on in the leadership, he wrote a letter and he laid out everything that he saw, and, and he said, if you don't do this, this, or this, or this, then these bad things oh. are going to happen. They didn't listen to him. The bad things happened. <laughs> and I'm being vague about that because, well, I don't even know all the details, but apparently there was a lot of personal like, stuff from people in the congregation. Yes. So Tom doesn't really get into much detail about that, but he does tell the story. That was the first time that it happened. And then the second time was what we all know about now the resignation of Pope Benedict. And there was no possible way except the voice of God himself telling him there was no possible way Tom could have predicted that, guessed that, because nothing like that has happened in over 800 years. I mean, what are the chances? And he published the book Petrus Romanus before the announcement was even made. Like you said, the date came and went and there was no announcement, and so everybody was kind of wondering what's going on. But then uh, a short while later, they announced that, Pope Benedict had resigned and he kept it in secret and he resigned exactly when Tom (laughs) said that he would. Well, now, so we have two confirmed fulfillments that Tom has been right. Well, now we got this third one and it's about the Apophis asteroid hitting the Earth. And you know Tom personally, and yes. I do too. The audience doesn't have that benefit, unfortunately, but Tom is not like a full-of-himself kind of guy. You know, right. He's he not usually a crackpot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he usually keeps to himself. He's not looking for attention and all that. He, he just wants to warn people. He is fully convinced that this is real and, and everything he saw was from God and that this is going to happen. So we detail all of that. He goes through the whole story in amazing detail that he's never given before, exclusively for this movie. He's told the story before, but not to this extent. It's just phenomenal. So to me, because he's been right two other times, so I think that this is worth paying attention to.
1: (laughs) And I know probably some of our listeners, their eyebrows are kind of, you know, this kind of thing, but you're right. Tom is a scholar. He doesn't go around waving a big stick or something of the sort and the first time I was up at the, I guess it's called the ranch, I was really moved by the fact that Tom has such a heart for little boys and girls who have been abused. And, you know, of course, you know the story about the ponies. I was really amazed because... When I first started reading some of Tom's stuff, I thought this guy is a little bit out in orbit, you know. (laughs) But uh, I had dinner with him, and I know my wife Jennifer and Nita, they both play the piano. They had some wonderful fellowship around the piano and all that. So I think this is very significant because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as I read my Bible, I see a revival coming. I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and well, and despite how mean the human race is, I think we're we're seeing even at the present time in the Middle East, I mean, the number of Muslims who have been saved through dreams, and the dreams are not wacky. Something like get a Bible, read a Bible, and so many times their testimony is, oh, this man in white I I read about that in the Bible, John 14, 6. You know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And, And so when these dreams and these visions and these revelations go to the Scripture, to the written Word of God, and there are so many people who are great Bible scholars who love the Bible, like Dr. Michael Heiser, I love R.T. Kendall. You're probably familiar with him. He's just a wonderful uh, writer and and so on and so forth. I think this is all significant. I think God is just stepping in and saying, look, we're at the end. Here's what I want to do for you. Believe on my son. Live in a way that the Holy Spirit will find a home and room in your heart and watch what I will do. So I think this is all very significant, to say the least. And, and I know Derek Gilbert once said, well, praise the Lord, Larry, you think outside the box. I do. Yeah, because the, that's right. The, yeah, because the Bible is bigger than the box. <laughs> that's right, it is. <laughs> what, what, yeah, so what about the chronology then of this? Apophis, April 2029, at the midpoint of the tribulation, So. Can you be guilty? Can you be charged with date setting? How do you? I know there's some people right away. I've I've heard some comments. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: I will say, in Tom's vision, he wasn't given a date, and that Apophis does have several flybys. Tom's convinced that it's going to be 2029, but not. According to my understanding of his vision, not because God gave him that date, but just because that seems like the most likely one. There are several other dates for Apophis. 2036, there's one in 2068. But it does seem like the 2029 one, that's definitely the one with that it comes the closest. That seems like to be the most likely candidate. But also, Tom says in the film that there are several times throughout the Bible where God will delay a judgment because the people repent. You know, Nineveh is a perfect example of that. So in the film, he talks about, you know, we don't say that this is definitely going to happen in 2029. It's a possibility, but there is also, if people you know, repent. If there is this great revival, like prior to the rapture, if there's this big, great revival, then maybe maybe this gets delayed for a little while. So there's always that possibility. We don't set exact dates, but, you know, at the same time, it is kind of coincidental that 2025, the Essene calendar, Tom's vision, 2029, if you back that up three and a half years, that would put you at 2025, possibly, potentially, for the beginning of the tribulation, which means we would have a rapture before that. So it's exciting stuff to think about, but yeah, you're right we don't set exact dates i even tell people don't max out your credit card don't you know don't sell your house don't do anything crazy just watch pray study and again if you're not saved accept jesus immediately because even if this doesn't happen for a couple hundred years we never know when our last breath is going to be at any moment it could be our final moment so we need to put our faith in christ immediately
0: Today in our Resource Center, we are excited to feature Josh Peck's documentary, Ragnarok, Humanity's Last Stand. This DVD is available today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. You have just scratched the surface with Josh Peck these past two days. Are we about to see the destroying force enter the Earth's atmosphere? If so, is there anything we can do about it? Has science finally confirmed what prophecy experts and scholars have been saying all along? Get all the details in the DVD, Ragnarok, Humanity's Last Stand. Order today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order online, swrc.com. Yom Kippur is the holiest day in Judaism. This day is primarily centered on atonement and repentance. Messianic Jew Larry Stamm is here with details and insight on this special day.
3: More and more Christians are taking an active interest in learning about the Jewish roots of Christianity. With Yom Kippur starting tonight, we here at the Watchman on the Wall thought it would be very timely to visit once again with our friend Larry Stamm. Larry is a Jew for Jesus. He is the president of Larry Stamm Ministries. And the focus of that ministry is to share Jesus Christ and to tell the world that Christianity is Jewish. Larry's book, Jewish Roots of Christianity, has been a top-selling book here this past year at our ministry. He's here today to teach us about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Larry, once again, welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall. Always a
4: blessing to be with you in your audience, James.
3: Let me give everyone a little background on Yom Kippur. It starts at sunset on Tuesday, October 4th, 2022, and it ends at nightfall on Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. So would you start by giving us a little biblical background
4: on Yom Kippur. The Fall Feasts of Israel occur during the seventh month on the Hebrew calendar, the sacred month of Tishri. We spoke earlier in programs past about Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, and the Feast of Trumpets begins what is known as the 10 Days of Awe, where Jewish people will repent of their sins. They'll seek reconciliation with others. They'll search their heart and prepare their heart For the holiest day on the Jewish religious calendar, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Yom meaning day, Kippur meaning atonement or covering. So it's with a repentant heart that Jewish people will approach the day of Yom Kippur. And this most awesome day, James, occurs on the 10th of Tishri, And the Lord instituted the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, in Leviticus 23. I want to read verses 26 through 32. The Word of God says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on the same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people, and any person who does any work on the same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. In all your dwellings it shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest." and you shall afflict your souls. On the ninth day of the month at evening, from evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. So the Talmud of the Jewish Oral Law simply refers to Yom Kippur as the day. So what happens is Jewish people will fast, they will implore God's forgiveness, and they will ask God to place their name in the book of life And As we've discussed in other programs, the forgiveness of sins in the Old Testament was actually through the sacrificial system of atonement that God gave Israel on the altar. But today, religious Jewish people who go to the synagogue on the altar, they are now trusting in prayer, repentance, and good works, as opposed to God's provision on the altar of sacrifice as a means of forgiveness. And that's a great gulf fixed between the Judaism of Jesus' day when the temple still stood and the altar of sacrifice still was in place versus the Judaism of today with no temple, with no altar, and with no sacrifice. Before I became a believer, I
3: remember having this thought in my mind that God was up there with a big set of cosmic scales, and if I could do enough good on this side, I could
4: maybe balance out the the bad. But how can you ever do enough good? That's a sad way to live. It really is. And I think we mentioned off air that as my years as a missionary in New York City, I often would ask religious Jewish people if they had assurance of forgiveness when they stepped outside the synagogue after worshiping and asking God to forgive them on Yom Kippur. And James, I never had a sincere person tell me that they had assurance that they were forgiven and that they had assurance that their names were written in the book of life. A definite tragedy, to be sure, because we know as believers in Jesus, we are declared righteous by God, not based upon what we do, but because of our faith in what he, Messiah Jesus, has done for us namely through faith in his death and resurrection, are we forgiven of our sins, are we reconciled to God, and as such, God declares us righteous, not because of what we have done, but because of our faith in the righteous one. Because of what he did, amen. There's much symbolic significance to Christians
3: in Yom Kippur, isn't there, because you speak of repentance and forgiveness.
4: Actually, the fall feasts of Israel, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, The Day of Atonement, and Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, all follow a progression. The Feast of Trumpets is all about repentance. Yom Kippur is all about receiving God's redemption, his Mm -hmm. forgiveness of sins. And then the response of that five days later on the Jewish religious calendar is Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, and the theme of Feast of Tabernacles is rejoicing. And as believers in Jesus Christ, We come to God and we repent of our sins. We receive the redemption found through faith in Jesus Christ. And the response to that is rejoicing. So there certainly is a connection for the Christian as it relates to the themes and the thematic progression of the fall feasts. How is Yom Kippur traditionally celebrated? People will go to the synagogue all day. In fact, religious Jewish people and others who are observing Yom Kippur will fast from sundown to sundown. And then once the fast is broken at the end of Yom Kippur, people will eat food again and go back to normal activities, but only after a time of searching one's soul, asking God to forgive them of their sin, and fasting as a way of offering up prayer and praises to God. Well, Larry, as always, we're grateful for you. Thank you for your
3: time. We're grateful for your ministry and your friendship. God bless you, brother. God bless you, James.
0: Today we have Josh Peck's explosive documentary, Ragnarok, Humanity's Last Stand. Order this DVD when you call 1 800 652 1144. That's 1 800 652 1144. Order online, swrc.com. The Shroud of Turin fascinates millions. Tomorrow, Barry Schwartz will share the Shroud science that he's uncovered. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by downloading our SWRC mobile app. Or you can simply subscribe to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you visit SWRC.com.